You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that air. Today we are continuing on with questions. I've only really got, uh, we'll call it one and a half more, so there'll probably be something beyond that. But I don't know what yet. As always, be sure to check the links in the description. Got merchandise, got all kinds of good stuff. Uh, the Facebook group, pretty pretty important stuff, you know. I feel like if you're not in there, you're not fully experiencing the podcast. Twitter, eh. I almost feel guilty now when people on Twitter are like, hey, who's a good Packers follow? And then somebody that listens to the podcast is like, you got to check out the Pack Daddy. Like, eh. I don't know, man. There's a lot of people that do Twitter, and they're on there all day, every day. They live on Twitter, and they're cranking out content. On, I mean, that's, that's like where they put out content a lot of the time. I kind of just use it as a resource these days. I think maybe I'm a little bit more active during the season, especially during football games. I'm, you know, trying to get my thoughts out there as quickly as I can. As far as day-to-day, I don't know. Take it or leave it. But I do appreciate the shout-outs anytime, uh, anytime I can get them. But anyways, let's take our break. Because, uh, boy, oh boy, do we need a break. A little siesta for all the work that's been put in these last minute and uh, 25 seconds. But I'll see you on the other side. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the question of the day comes from Chris from Chicago, and he says this. Hi, Ryan. Do you think all the drama regarding the new power structure is missing the real point? I think it's an indictment on Murphy and the fact that he was unaware and or unwilling to make the necessary changes five years earlier. The current reload should have happened after the collapse in Seattle, Ted and Dom at a minimum. McCarthy stood by them, so Murphy should have stepped in at that time. Not knowing Ted was loose 
Uh, losing his grip is not an excuse. According to recent news, it was certainly visible to those around him for years. Draft and develop only has wasted Rodgers' prime years, especially when you miss as often as he did. Is this one of the downsides to a BOD instead of a single owner? I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I mean, if, if, if I'm going to criticize Murphy, it's going to be on this point. The, the problem with the Green Bay Packers, as I mentioned, included all those things, but it also did include Murphy because, as I said, his back was essentially to the team looking outward. He's working on expansion and all this different stuff. And in a snapshot, you've got a bunch of isolated towers doing their own thing. Nobody's doing the right thing or the necessary things. And that does include Murphy. I, you know, I've defended him, but it was on the basis of what all the attacks have been, which have been nonsense. I think this is a fair assessment. Now, it's fair from the standpoint of speculation, because I don't exactly know. You know, I can't speak with authority, but I do think it's a fair uh, point to be made. The other thing that comes immediately to mind, as much as I do like Brian Gutekunst, I think one of the all-stars, as far as GMs is concerned, has to be John Dorsey. John Dorsey was a very talented guy with Green Bay. Uh, he had a great reputation, goes over to the Chiefs, built that team. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs that we know are there because of John Dorsey. Then he leaves. Suddenly, the Chiefs haven't done very much good, as far as I can tell, since he's left. He goes to Cleveland, the worst team maybe in football history. It's probably not true, but, you know, really, really bad for a really, really long time. Suddenly, they're a contender. Now, I know he had a lot of capital, but that, that they had a lot of draft capital for years and years and years and years. He comes in, he purges a ton of people, he drafts a ton of great players, he goes out in free agency and, and acquires a ton of great players, and suddenly they're on top. We miss out on John Dorsey by about a year, and I do think there's a good possibility that rather than going, and I don't know this, apparently people wanted to go to Cleveland, and I'm sure a lot of teams wanted John Dorsey, but I think we could have made a very good sales pitch to John Dorsey at that time to say we'd love to have you back this time as a GM to come back and and you know return this team to its former glory. We know you're the guy that can carry on that legacy of the, you know, Wolf and Thompson and all the guys that have made this team great. It's just what comes to my mind. As soon as I saw Dorsey was available, um it it, it was kind of a I mean, I know we got Ted, but boy oh boy would it be nice to go get John Dorsey. Well, we didn't. He went to the Browns. He actually purged some pretty good Packers talent. And again, it's not meant to be an indictment on, on Brian Gutekunst. We're you know, still too early to see. Maybe he's going to be a better GM. We don't know. But I think John Dorsey is, is a phenomenal GM, it, it, at least insofar as the draft, but he, even beyond that. I mean, just, just he's like the flip this house of GM. When, when stuff isn't working, bring him in and poof, it's working. So yeah, that, that would have been nice. But I, I you know, and, and I do think... Uh, Gutekunst has done a good job. And again, to your point, even if we kept everything the same as far as, you know, Gutekunst and whatever, and we could play the same game with head coaches, right? Look at some of the really good recent head coaching hires. Had this been done one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, there, there's there's head coaches that had been hired that are very, very good. And, you know, again, maybe Lafleur is going to be better than all of them. But, um, you know, had we had moved on, had we moved on in, say, 2017, Sean McVay was available. You know, if we had moved on one year prior, Frank Reich was available. So, and I'm, again, maybe everything's going to be great and fine, but this is just going to compound if things don't work out. If Brian Gutekunst turns out to not be a super great GM, it falls on Mark Murphy. 
Because not only did Mark Murphy wait too long and miss out on, on guys like John Dorsey, he's the one that chose Brian Gutekunst to be the next GM. And essentially, set, I mean, that, that set everything in motion. That, was the, that is the biggest, most pivotal moment that set everything in motion. Because off of that, not only is he building this team, but he and Murphy collectively went out and found the next head coach. I mean, the, the, the way this team is going to go is essentially 100% on the head of Mark Murphy. Because Gutekunst and LaFleur and the other guys that are, that are helping to direct this ship are only there because of Murphy and because he decided that that's what it's going to be. So Packers fans' visions of Mark Murphy, um, is, 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 it's incredible how much rests on the next couple years. If the team just continues the downward spiral, if the guys that have been recently acquired don't fix the problem and the defense is no good and the offense continues to struggle and the Packers continue to miss the playoffs, Mark Murphy will just go down as the guy that just destroyed the team. I mean, really, it, it, it does. I mean, it, Again, yesterday was defending Mark Murphy. But if, if, if what I said does materialize, this really all does fall on his head. This is his responsibility. As much as, you know, okay, it was Ted's fault. Well, why was Ted not fired? Well, it was McCarthy's fault. Why wasn't McCarthy fired? It was Dom Capers' fault. Why was he coaching five years past when he was a good coach? Well, Gutekunst was no good. Well, why did you hire him? LaFleur was no good. Well, why did you hire him? Pettin was no good. Well, why did you hire him? I mean, literally every single thing is just on his shoulders. So good for him for stepping up and taking responsibility. Good for him for putting your stamp on it and saying, this is the direction we're going. But I mean, again, where this lies is going to be the, this, this, this team right now essentially is the Mark Murphy legacy. I don't know if he's going to get the credit if things go well. It, you know, it could be Gutekunst or whoever. But if things go poorly, it's on Mark Murphy. If things go really well, that's also on Mark Murphy. And yeah, a, a fair criticism of Mark Murphy is not all the nonsense we've been hearing. It's not the, the even necessarily the structure. It would be the fact that this took probably too long. But I also think that that's something that's changing. There was a very laid-back atmosphere in, in Green Bay. Because everything was just working. And I think everybody, including Mark Murphy, got complacent. And even when things weren't working, there were excuses. Well, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Well, it's the defense's fault. So we'll move on from Dom, and then it'll be better. And then it didn't get better. And, and in, to be completely fair, it took me a long time to wake up. Because I played the excuses game. I, I defended Dom way too long. I defended Mark, uh, McCarthy way too long. I, I'm, I'm consistently the last guy off the bandwagon with the exception of the Green Bay Packers, right? There's the initial first pessimists that say these guys are garbage. Then there's the general consensus that, look, maybe things aren't going well. Then there's me. And then about a year later, the Packers figure it out. But again, I do think that that's changing. I I see much more of an iron fist approach. I think Mark Murphy essentially delegated these responsibilities to people who abdicated that responsibility. So yes, it's his fault. But again, if, if I'm going to defend him now, it would essentially be that this is not his job. It was not. It is his job, but it was not his job. He delegated these things to people, which is now why. And, and listen, you can't have it both ways. And I'm not saying anybody's trying to have it both ways. I think most people are just on the wrong side. But what you can't do is say that he was wrong to wait too long, but now he's wrong for trying to hold on to too much power to oversee everything. That's not the case. He was wrong the first time by being an absentee landlord a a hands-off, you know, quote-unquote owner, 
who just let the, the, you know, I guess football guys run the football operations. But now that he's seen how things can go and how people can kind of just take advantage of the situation when there's no oversight and kind of, you know, put your feet up a little bit. And he says no more. I now am going to be involved in every phase of this. I'm going to make sure that we understand whose responsibility is what, who's doing what job, how well they're doing their job. I want to know everything and everybody reports to me. And again, I don't think this is because he wants, I don't think he wants this job. He wants to bring the draft to Green Bay. He wants to expand Titletown. He wants to get hotels and, and continue to grow the city and, and do that kind of stuff. You know, ribbon cuttings. He doesn't want to have to babysit grown men. But I think it is his responsibility, and I, I do think at this time he's doing the right thing. Did he wait too long? Yeah, probably. So I would say that's fair for the ninth time. The next question or uh, point, I guess, that was made uh, comes from Andy. He actually made two points. I want to touch on them. Uh, he referred to the first thing as a one-off, but essentially what he was referring to is the fact that sometimes we look at things a little bit too uh, too much from an isolated standpoint. For example, we get Zadarius Smith. I go to Pro Football Focus, and I go look at his stats, and I go look at his history, and I say, okay, this is who he is. We cut that, we paste it, and there you go. Same thing with Preston, same thing with Amos. I think we know that's not the case necessarily with uh, draft picks, but to some degree we still do the same thing, and we, we think we understand what we're getting. This is part of what is, I think, so awesome about football, but also kind of frustrating. It's a great opportunity for people like me to sound smart just by having a standpoint that is, I don't know. It's the reason people like Stephen A. Smith always sound dumb. Well, part is because he doesn't even know who's playing what and where and how. He doesn't even watch football, I don't think. But because anybody that takes a stance that I know definitively this is the case, you're just playing Russian roulette. Eventually that thing's going to get you. Eventually you're going to lose and lose badly. Because you just can't know. Now, I, I don't watch basketball, but I know enough about basketball that that cut and paste thing is kind of true. Right, the, the, the whole dream team thing, that's, that's been a basketball thing since forever. Not as much football, although free agency is starting to have a higher impact on, on football. That is, teams that go out and buy talent tend to do pretty well, which didn't used to be the case. At least not always. Anyways, obviously Reggie White comes to mind. That worked out pretty well. But I, I guess here's kind of the way I look at it. There's the isolated view, which is, how is the player going to perform? And we don't know the answer to that. Again, let's just look at Zadarius Smith. He was not a super great football player. In a contract year, he had a pretty good year, and now he's a Packer, and he's rich. How is he as an individual going to perform? Don't know. Now, there's another aspect. He's on a different team with different guys around him. This is a team sport. I know all team sports are technically team sports, but the way that things are intertwined in football is very, very unique. What is Darius Smith, what is his production when he's next to Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, he's got Preston Smith, he's got Rashawn Gary? You know, what, what happens when the, the coverage either improves or gets worse from what Baltimore had? What happens with Preston Smith? Not just from, his, from being, you know, isolated as a player himself, but the players around him. And then another layer on top of that is the scheme. And the scheme actually overlays each one of those things. The scheme matters as an individual. What are you being asked to do? Are you being put into a position to succeed? But it also works in a group setting. Look at the scheme based on the guys around you, right? As a team, here's the plan. Whether or not the guys next to you can execute that, or the guys behind you, or wherever, is going to have an impact on each individual player, 
and then, you know, kind of firing back, each individual player has an impact on the overall defense and on the overall team. There are so many layers to this. It's insane. And that's just assuming everything stays the same. You take the Mike Pettin scheme from last year. You take all the production from each individual player from last year. You look at how that works as a group. So Kenny Clark last year or over the course of years next to what we think we know about Mike Daniels, what we think we know about Preston and Zadarius, what we think we know about Rashawn, what we think we know about Blake, what we think, all that stuff. But then you add in technically a fourth layer, which is time. Time works in the favor of some people for Jair, for uh, Josh Jackson, for you know probably Kevin King, considering the injuries. This is basically what his second year. But it also works negatively for guys like Mike Daniels, for Aaron Rodgers, for Brian Balaga. All these things are constantly changing. And when one thing changes, it has ripple effects going outward. And then each ripple effect has ripple effects on the ripple effects. It's like throwing a handful of rocks into the water and trying to describe what happened to the water. Well, it got lower there and higher here, and this got higher because of the one next to it, but then this also got... And then... and, and uh, uh, uh. That's why it's fun to speculate up to a point with the caveat always that I don't know. And then you got to be able to, at some point, sit back and just relax and just see what happens. I'm very excited to see what this defense can do. Fully aware of the fact that this defense might be trash. I would hope not, because we know individually there's some talent here. We know that typically time is on our side. You know, we have mostly young players who are getting better. Time is also on our side with the youth of the coaching staff. Mike Pettin is going into his second year, which means the players are more, you know, so, so the variables tend to be working on our side. But we still don't know. Somewhat tied into that is Andy's second point, and that is the fact that he doesn't necessarily believe that it's true that we didn't add uh, weapons on offense, because he sees Matt LaFleur as a massive weapon, and I think that's true. Now, we still have the caveat of I don't know, but everybody is an I don't know. If we got DK Metcalf, it's still an I don't know, but we added a weapon. And considering the overall impact of a guy like, well, for example, a head coach, an offensive coordinator, um, you know, modernizing everything, it has the the potential impact of not necessarily adding a weapon, but improving the weapons all around him. If he's able to get Devontae open more often, did he add a weapon? If we can get Marquez and EQ open more often, if we can get Geronimo open more often, did we add a weapon? If he can improve the run game, did he add a weapon? I think the Packers did add a weapon. Let's also not discount uh, Mr. Jay Sternberger, by the way, the one-pound brisket and cheese curd burger. But I would think that that's a fair assessment. And again, with the caveat that we don't know that this is necessarily a good addition, it still should be considered adding a weapon. It, 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 is, it was done with the intention of massively improving the offense. And the same could technically be said about the offensive line addition. Nobody calls an offensive guard a weapon, but if it gives Aaron Rodgers an extra second to throw the football and gives uh, Aaron Jones a couple more inches to squeeze through a hole... Or, uh, you know, if, they, if we can knock out an extra linebacker, we've massively improved the offense. And that's, that's what really matters. That, that's, what, that's the end goal of getting a quote-unquote weapon anyways. You don't get Antonio Brown because you want a weapon for the sake of having a weapon. You want a weapon with the intention of having a better offense. The other thing, and I'm, I'm sort of just segueing, I guess, completely off the question at this point, but it was something I was thinking about kind of you know, mulling over this, these series of questions. And that is, 
Is it possible that things actually get worse? And I know technically the answer is yes, but what would you put the odds at? Now, it's kind of different for, for each group. For the defense, I'm looking at it and saying it's, it's nearly impossible, not that the defense isn't good, but that the defense gets worse considering the additions. But likewise with the offense, it, it's, it's, it just doesn't seem possible because I feel like last year was the lowest common denominator at pretty much every point on the offense. Now, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not including catastrophes. You know, Bakhtiari, Rodgers, uh, Adams go down or are out the season or whatever. Of course it can get worse. I'm talking about a healthy offense. And I'm, I'm trying to go through and say, okay, let's say LaFleur is a complete bust. Is the offense going to actually get worse? I mean, it, 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 I don't see Aaron Rodgers being worse than he was last year. And I, I don't necessarily even think it was him. It was the scheme and everything else. And yeah, a little bit him and a little bit the wide receivers, whatever. But even if these plays are garbage and guys still aren't getting open, we're just going to see the same thing we saw last year. I don't think the run game could be less impactful considering we never ran the ball. I I don't see Devontae Adams getting worse because it's not even so much the scheme for him anyways. He doesn't need a scheme. He just gets open. I don't see him getting worse. I don't see Aaron Rodgers getting worse. I don't see Aaron Jones getting worse with an emphasis on the run game. I don't see the offensive line getting worse with the improvements that have been made. Even if two out of the three new additions are busts, that still gives us one new guy. Hopefully, at least, at the very least out of this, we got a right guard. I mean, if, if all we get out of this is Billy Turner at right guard being an improvement over Justin McRae or Byron Bell, it's still an improvement. I just don't see an area where things actually get worse. Because again, lowest common denominator. Last year was basically worst case scenario. And I've said this for a while, they played worse than they are. Just based on the talent, they should have had more wins than they did. Now, there, there's a pretty big gap between how bad the defense was and Super Bowl caliber defense and a pretty big gap between the you know a, the 2018 Packers offense and a Super Bowl caliber offense. But I'm really trying to be as unbiased as I can and say, realistically, is it going to get worse? I just don't think it can. Right, pending injuries. Injuries would be the one thing that where you could definitely say it gets worse. I just don't see it. In no way did we get worse. I mean, teams do get worse just personnel-wise. We didn't. I mean, are Jimmy Gra- is the tight end position going to get worse? No. They completely fell off. If I had to put money down right now, and you're not allowed to say stay the same, I would say there's going to be a slight improvement because that was terrible. Even for declining tight ends, that was just like, what in the world is this? That was like Nick Perry terrible. To where everybody's like, yeah, that's Nick Perry. No, that's not Nick Perry. Nick Perry is a first-round draft pick who has been, you know, mediocre, playing like a fourth-round pick. This is like an undrafted free agent. We're talking literally the worst player in the NFL. Something else is wrong here. I don't know if it's the new scheme. I don't know what it is. But but treating that as like, yeah, that's classic Nick Perry about time we get... No, that, that was something remarkable. Same thing in my mind with Jimmy Graham. If you just plot it out... There's been a, a slow, steady decrease. In Seattle, he basically was relegated to being a red zone threat. But he still had some viability. He comes to Green Bay and it's like he can't catch footballs, he can't do anything. Zero presence in the red zone. That's when we could actually get to the red zone. So again, it just feels like, you know, for, for different reasons. Same, I guess you could say, with special teams. How in the world does it get worse? It could still be bad. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get better and they're going to be freakish and all this. I don't even know how it could be unless we keep Trevor Davis. There's a chance. But how does it get worse? And, and, and you know, again, trying to be unbiased, if you look at the Bears, is it possible the Bears get Well, Yes, of course it is. 
They lost players. They lost coaches. Not fired because they're garbage and we got better replacements. No, lost them because he was so good, they gave him a head coaching job. Who then poached coaches and poached players off of the Bears team. They lost Amos. Could the offense get worse? Of course it can. Now, I don't know that that would necessarily be my expectation. But overall, as a team, you could easily make a case for it. I think that's a team that overproduced based on their talent. Especially the offense. I don't see a lot of great talent on their offense. Vikings, I think you can make the same case. I don't expect them necessarily to get worse, but a team that basically just stays the same is a team that just got a year older. Now, depending on if you're young or old, um, that could be good or bad, but most of their talent is old. Most of the Packers' talent is young. Kenny Clark is young. Jair is young. Amos and Savage and Gary are young. Even Preston and Zadarius are relatively young, 26 years old. That's young. We're talking prime of their career. Aaron Jones, Devontae, Marquez, EQ... Geronimo, Jamal, Dexter, Lindsley's still relatively young, Turner, Jenkins, Madison, Kiki, Montravius, Blake, Oren, King, Jackson, Savage, Sternberger. I mean, I'm listing basically the entire starting roster on offense and defense. It's not like I'm just picking the young guys that are third stringers. This is These are starters. So as, as much as I want to say anything can happen, and there's so many variables, which, which is true, but there's also, I think, a range. And, and, and within that range, there's an expectation based on what's happened. We added players that played better last year. Just playing the odds, that gives us a slight uptick. And when you add a bunch of little upticks, going from, you know, Clay to Zadarius, going from Perry to Preston, going from nothing to Gary, going from Bell to Turner... You know, the safety situation is just night and day. And then you add in the fact that, you know, so, so looking at the individual variables, they all, for the most part, improved as far as we can tell. You look at the group variables, well, Amos maybe is a, a negative because he, he's going from a probably better situation to a slightly worse situation. I don't think Preston or Zadarius or Gary, for that matter, had anything even close to a group that they have now, which includes each other. Preston now has Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, and Mike Daniels. He didn't have that in Washington, and Zadarius has the exact same thing but Preston. You know, Blake Martinez is also going to benefit a lot from this. Oren Burks is going to benefit a lot from having that front. So the group variable, I think, for the most part, is better. So that's an uptick. The scheme also improves for two reasons. Not only the time variable, which is also on our side, the fourth variable, but the fact that he's getting guys that fit his scheme. So it's not unreasonable at all to say that the expectation is for the team to have gotten a lot better. But anyways, um, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just getting excited, man. Or ma'am. Because I'm, I'm, I'm actively trying to like talk myself out of it. Because obviously as a fan, it's like, oh, they're obviously better. Every, every fan thinks their team got better, at least for the most part. I guess if you say fan base, not every fan necessarily. There's a lot of pessimists. But each fan base as a whole believes that their team got better and will be better. And most feel that they're playoff caliber. A lot more fan bases believe they're going to be in the playoffs than teams that are eligible to be in the playoffs. And probably entirely too many believe that they are going to be, uh, you know, in the Super Bowl. More than should. So I try to look at it from the standpoint of don't be a fan and look at it objectively. And I feel like the standards that I laid out are pretty objective. And I don't think I'm wrong about the situation. Again, I think Amos is a downgrade for Amos himself. I think Preston and Zadarius, there's a big question mark because I'm always nervous when there's that one-year spike, especially in a contract year. I said the same thing about Nick Perry, and that bit us pretty hard. 
I was correct about that. Didn't have a podcast at the time, but whatever. I think I've got a good enough track record. I don't have to worry about that. But again, how much better they get is a question mark. If they get better is a question mark. The other question is, are they going to get worse? And it just, man, the stars would really have to align just right for the Packers to be worse than 2018, given the changes that have occurred. Players, coaches, etc. So, anyways, you folks, enjoy your day. I got to get going. Have a fantastic uh, Tuesday. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye.